Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. My honey down. There's <laughs> a special going out to Alice Shattuck. That was an, our early days uh, song for me and Alice. Rainmates Alice Shattuck feel a little frisky. <laughs> and that was, so. that's right. That is because my poor wife, my poor wife is, uh, is relapsed with COVID. <laughs> poor kid on Dayquil again. Had to bang in for a couple of uh, activities that you volunteer for that unfortunately is disappointing for you. And I know. It's very sad. I know. Well, I feel bad for you. Everybody feels bad for you. But Tom Shattuck did yeoman's work again, supporting Alice again. The support system is uh, the thing that legions of men could learn from Alice. Truly Stoting a husband, you know. My former friends, my former, no, not my, my friends way <laughs> back when, Alice, mm-hmm. still my friends from the 90s remember me as a carefree gigolo, but now they know me as a doting husband and loving father. Alice. <laughs> All right. You know where we're going to start tonight? Where are we going to start tonight? Guess where we're going to start tonight? LBB. Right here. Right. Good evening and welcome to Tucker right Carlson tonight. One of the weirdest features of modern life has got to be how we've all been trained to ignore the things that really matter. You might have wondered, just to pick one among so many examples, why hundreds of thousands of your fellow Americans seem to be living in squalor on the sidewalk. How'd that happen? These are the so-called homeless drug owners. Some of these further. immigrants will rise higher than Nancy Pelosi expects they will. 
Some will fight their way to the top of our society with the usual combination of inborn talent and grit. And honestly, bless them for that. No one invited them here. We didn't want them to come, but we will be sincerely glad when they succeed. And yet, a country is more than the success of a handful of people, inspiring as that always is to watch. Sheer numbers matter too. Even if every single person who snuck across our southern border this year goes on to win the Nobel Prize in chemistry, it would still be worth worrying about the effects that mass immigration have on our total population numbers. So the question is, how many people is too many? In Washington, you will never hear that question. Skip forward. If there's an upside to the last two years of the COVID insanity, and there may be, it's that many Americans seem to be remembering what they long for. Look where they're moving. Almost always it's to someplace smaller, LA to Austin, New York to Burlington, Seattle to Boise, Chicago to Naples. So it's the reverse of any other internal migration we've ever seen. Americans are moving from the cities to the farms, or at least to the outer suburbs. They want more nature, more human contact, more trees, more quiet. And it's hard to believe they'll ever stop wanting these things because they're natural. They're the things we all want. All right, so there you go. His his monologue last night was a long monologue, and and it, I think we were both pretty intrigued by the direction that it took. It was it was almost fifteen minutes, and it just it was just a stem winder, but it certainly emphasized immigration, mm-hmm. and and legal immigration too. Right, legal immigration. In contrast too. to like the main, what I would call the mainstream of the Republican Party generally tends to say, like, oh, we're for legal immigration, but against illegal immigration. Right. So this got you thinking, and this is, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm handing the ball, I'm not stepping on you on this one. You, um, this sparked an interest in you, and you have a questions or concerns about... I mean, talking. I don't know if questions and concerns is like the right... I don't know, I'm just... It's an interesting choice, and I, I don't really understand necessarily, like, the why of Tucker Carlson. Like, he's independently wealthy. He does not have to show up for work at Fox. And indeed, he doesn't show up for work at Fox News. He pretty much broadcasts, like, from his compound in Maine or whatever. Or I think he spends some time in Florida, too, wherever he goes. But, you know, it's interesting to me because I don't. A lot of people, like, I know what Hannity's going to talk about any given day, right? The same mm-hmm. way I know, like, what Rachel Maddow's going to talk about. I mean, like, fill in the blanks on the specifics, but generally, like, I know where they're going to come from on a particular issue, right? Like, I know what they're going to talk about this stuff. But Tucker is, like, a bit of an enigma, and he's always been a bit of an enigma. You know, he plays his cards very close to his chest. He won't tell people if he's vaccinated or not, for example. Right. And that's like, I mean, I think he kind of wants to play both sides on it a little bit. You know, he doesn't want. I understand there's like the argument about medical privacy and whatever. But like, I I mean, I don't know that he really cares about that deeply, whether or not people know he's vaccinated. I think that he wants the people who want to believe he's not vaccinated to believe that. And the people that want to believe he is vaccinated to believe that. You know, yes, I I agree. I I do think that he definitely tends to the herds. He wants the Tucker Carlson show to be a big tent, big conservative tent. Anyway, and actually, he wants to grow the conservative tent. Um, I would agree with that. 
So so he is nuanced on some things. I mean, he's taking he was taking on big tech, which is you know not really now is in vogue. But when he first started doing it a few years ago, it was kind of an odd thing to go after these monoliths and attack businesses and. Um, so we had a friend say to us a couple of months ago, right, because Tucker really has kind of anointed himself the standard bearer of this type of populist conservatism, right? This conservatism that is not beholden to the mainstream of the Republican Party. He mm-hmm. doesn't care about what the establishment thinks about what he's saying. He's not, you know, and he'll whack people on the show like we've seen him whack mainstream republicans like asa yes. hutchinson he destroyed on the mm-hmm. show like because they think they're going into like this friendly fox audience and he's totally willing to just beat them up for these points with this like totally other audience right and it's been very successful right he has a huge audience but i i'm intrigued by it because I'm not sure that he really believes all of it. And we had somebody say to us a couple months ago, I don't remember if you remember this conversation, but we were talking about like shows and podcasts that we liked with a friend. And and he said, you know, I don't, I don't know that I believe if Tucker Carlson is really there or if he's like controlled opposition, right? Like, you know, if, if he's establishment and he's playing this role, on TV as a character because because there's other intriguing things about Tucker Carlson. There was this piece about him in the New York Times. Uh, when was this from? April? Uh, yeah, or no, August, actually, even more recently. Um, it, the piece in the New York Times by Ben Smith, who I think used to be of BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed Ben, yes. And uh, he... He wrote about how Tucker Carlson is like also the media's best source and mm-hmm. leaks stuff, whether about Tucker Carlson or about other like Washington elites to journalists all the time. He talks to them. He's friends with them. There was this story that was recent where uh, Lynn Wood, who I mean, I know is crazy, but leaked supposedly leaked an email that we don't know if it's real, but supposedly leaked an email of Tucker Carlson's where he was asking Hunter Biden for a college recommendation for his son to get into Georgetown, which like, I don't know who knows if it's real or not. I don't know if it's real or not, but you know, it. I think he hangs around in those circles. I don't find it unbelievable that he would have been asking the, at that time, the vice president's son for a college recommendation for his kid at a school where he would hold influence. Do you? Um, I don't think that's in- impossible whatsoever, but I also, I think that that is not, I don't think that that's there's anything wrong with that. Just like I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, what Ingram and Hannity and Mark or whoever were saying at, at January sixth. You know, saying you better pull this crap up, whatever. But so- I don't have a problem with what they said about January sixth either. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know what who the real Tucker Carlson is. I just don't. And I like I don't know like if he believes all the stuff that he says on TV. You know, and I like uh-huh. Tucker a lot. I enjoy watching the show, to be clear. And I I think he's very funny and a good entertainer. But I just am not a hundred percent convinced that he believes all the stuff that he says. I I'm not. And I'm intrigued by it because I don't I and like the monologue last night stuck out to me because, you know, I get it. There are conversations to be had about even legal immigration Mm -hmm. and what's a good number and whatever else. But it seems to me that when he's doing these monologues, he's 
very consciously using talking points and winks to certain internet fringe tribes that I don't think are very savory groups. I mean, like, I do not think that it is an accident that his former writer was fired after he got caught hanging out in these internet forums. Like, I mean, I, I think his think current writers... Tucker's looking for Nazis, Alice. I, I don't know about Nazis, but I, there's a... It's a spectrum, you know? Like, there's the ones that are waving swastikas, and there's stuff on the spectrum with that that's not quite there, but it's in that world, and I... I don't know. I, I think it's... It's interesting. I mean, like, do you not think it's interesting that his writer got caught hanging out in those forums and saying that stuff um well i mean who who knows these writers are people who are weird i mean i i i'm sure that but they- i like just based on the fact that and i mean i'm not necessarily judging because i follow a lot of people on twitter and stuff that mm-hmm. i don't necessarily agree with right like and that's part of why i like watch that monologue and i go like he sounds like people on twitter that are saying other stuff too that i think is not great right you know it, it, no, it but, but seems to me that he, somebody who's writing for that show hangs out in those circles that's all i'm saying because i can because i can see first of all similarities in the talking points and second of all i see them get excited on the internet when he says this stuff you know what i mean but i don't know first of all i would actually give some credence to his show motto of the sworn enemy of lying pomposity smugness and groupthink Mm -hmm. if only the groupthink part is that he has decided to make himself different he was in the 90s a bow-tied kind of pompous conservative college republican-y kind of guy and then he wrote for the Weekly Standard and was a really good writer, mm-hmm. standard conservative, uh, pro-Iraq war, et cetera, et cetera. And he has gone, he is now anti-Iraq war. That the, This Tucker Carlson couldn't recognize that Tucker Carlson. He's now big anti-corporate stuff. Uh, I don't know if he's gone more crazy on, on, on immigration. I think that to, the idea of ceasing immigration uh, at least or halting immigration can is an argument that you can talk about that without being without it being xenophobic or racist i think no i think it's an odd the country i think it's an odd point to make to say that immigrant success stories even though they're individually inspiring are in the aggregate bad for the country i think that's an odd thing to say and i disagree with it so i this is my feeling of what he's saying Mm -hmm. with that one he's saying that that he's worried that Western democratic Judeo- Judeo-Christian ideals, he feels that those can't be, those can't be, or must not be taken away and supplanted by people who have none of those ideas, none of those considerations that Americans generally have and people who immigrate here generally have had. Mm-hmm. Um, it, now, like Ann Coulter says it more harshly. I mean, she'll yeah. use, uh, you know, the term Yeah, Ann Coulter European. said that she didn't think people who didn't have all four grandparents born in the country should be allowed to vote, which excludes, among other people, both of us and Donald Trump. So. Damn. That was <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's. Yeah, she's pretty extreme. But I. But uh, I also think that he. I think that he has been in the business enough. And he's a guy who was on Dancing with the Stars, like like we were talking beforehand. Mm-hmm. He was a laughing stock for a while after Dancing with the Stars. 
he was a guy who was supposedly dunked on by John Stewart, which isn't really what happened. But you know, it, it, when he was in at um, at Crossfire at that point with Paul Pagala, it was a crap show. It, it it was not what it used to be. There was a time before you were born, Alice. The Crossfire was really CNN's great debate show. Pat Buchanan and Tom Braden in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so so he kind of had been bouncing around, and when he got to Fox, he was just doing fill in gigs. Right. He was not a. He was a guy who was not all set in life. He had been. Th- I mean, his show was a laughing stock when it started too. I mean, not necessarily not, a laughing well, stock per se, but, but it was. He was a virtually an unknown quantity at the point in time when he started the show. Not that yeah, he, he'd been yeah. everywhere, but he'd never hosted his yeah. own show where he just said his own well, opinions. Well, at least not on this that. station. Uh, you're right. He did on Crossfire, but it was a little bit different. But I think he saw an opportunity. At Fox, using the tools that he had developed, being a thinker, he's a writer first, and said, hey, I can be the different show on this network, which is one of the reasons why I think he disdains the culture of Fox News, which is one of the reasons why the the crossovers with Hannity are terrible. He never gives Hannity any quarter during those. Hannity is gracious to him, and Tucker is snubs him almost, or is coy about it. Because he doesn't want it. He feels that Hannity's form of Republicanism is hackish and polluted. And he doesn't want that stuff rubbing off on him, I think. So I think that he found his own success in seeing opportunity and seeing that there are all of these... I mean, it, when he first got on there, he was getting on and assassinating progressives, essentially. That's what Yeah, he was doing. and people didn't know what the show was, so he right. got a lot of guests that were not prepared to be on there, which was entertaining. You know, right. he had uh, Lauren Duca from Teen Vogue. Exactly. and Eichenwald, had... which was a classic, mm-hmm. certainly. And so, like, right after O'Reilly's gone, this, this guy's just going going nuts. And um, I also think that Tucker is very much liked in the business. And he was liked at CNN, liked at MSNBC, liked at the Weekly Standard, etc. That I think generally people like him, which is probably why he's got so many sources and talks to so many people. He's a smart guy. And he's got his his he's still a Beltway connection guy. If no problem, if he's gonna whatever he's doing, I'm sure he's trading secrets. I'm sure he's planting stories. I'm sure he's doing whatever it takes. If you know, like my old boss at the Boston Herald, Joe Shaka. Mm-hmm. Joe Shaka was was a and still is, but as the editor in chief of the paper, was a it was a shrewd guy. He'd always, he'd bring me in and debrief me. See what's going on. What do I know? What do you know? What do you know? Bring another editor in. What do you know? What are you hearing? What do you know? He's a big phone call guy. Call people Call people who knew around town. Ex-Pauls, uh, Flax, who were people who own Flax companies, etc. Always feeling things. Fa- happy to pass around maybe a little bit of rumor, speculation, this and that. Here we are. Trading, always trading. When I was at the radio at WRKO, you know, almost 20 years ago, and I was the executive producer... Joe and I would talk very often because he wanted the scuttlebutt. What's going on in the station? What's going on with Howie? What's going on with the morning show? What are you hearing from this? What are you hearing from this? And I was happy to talk to Joe. It was fun to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, and I think Tucker's one of these guys who who makes sure he just sees the moving pieces going around there. And, and I mean, I, I just think he's his own he's his own guy now. And I think, I mean, I agree with a little bit. I mean, I disagree with him. I think that his disowning of the Iraq war is just rubbish. But a lot of Republicans do it now. And that's a Trump thing. That's that's a good, you know, thumbs up. For the, for the- but that's like another one. Like he dragged that into the monologue last night, too, with the like 
the thing he always has to bring up, oh, this obscure border dispute with Ukraine, as though, like, Russia isn't a global power that's a huge threat and Putin isn't making moves. Not that... I mean, like, I don't want to send my kids to go die in Ukraine either, but... But apparently he's had an epiphany along the lines that wars are very profitable for a lot of people. And, the you know, some, some NASCAR-loving kid from Chattanooga, Tennessee is going to lay his life out there and um, f- making somebody else rich. I just find it odd that that guy who's been... Steeped in the Beltway for decades, and by all accounts is still friends with all the same people. Suddenly, sounds like an anonymous internet poster. Like, I just—it's weird to me, and I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, but but also on some of these things, he's been right, Alice. Remember, he's said things that are verboten to say at times. You know, he was when it was fact you could not dismiss it that russia had hacked the election remember that mm-hmm. he was always questioning it when nobody else was it was daring and he was he would say no like who who who's saying who hacked he had no he had no gave it no credence no and i so, mean like i agree with a lot of the positions that he goes out there and says and not all he, of them but a lot of them but i just i i the the contradictions leave me wondering what's going on like what it you know i go back to our friend that said like it feels like maybe he's controlled opposition or something like it's weird it's a it's a weird dichotomy like and i like the show and i like him and i agree with a lot of what he says in the show but i just like don't know if that i like i said that's like where it leaves me is i go in circles but i'm like not convinced that that's like really his opinions or take for example take why is he propping up uh what's this the, the guy from campaign? romania or whatever no 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 not although that's weird too yeah. that he's constantly obsessed with hungry and how great a job they're doing or whatever right. that's weird too but <laughs> like what's the deal with uh the the senate campaign guy jd vance the hillbilly elegy guy who, I mean, like, we're talking about, like, a Harvard, New York finance guy who's propped up by Peter Thiel, who has, like, the best funded campaign in the whole thing, who's, like, just going out there and getting digs in about Silicon Valley and tech when he's, like, funded entirely by Silicon Valley money. Like, it's so odd. I just... Yeah, but they, doesn't that mean that the state establishment does not have J.D. Vance's back? But Tucker rails about Silicon Valley all the time. Right, but also he doesn't like the establishment in some places. Also, J.D. Vance has been, for since the beginning, has been a... a um, has been a, a guest on Tucker's show, just as the author, as an author. And right, but why? Like, it feels weird and astroturf J.D. Vance was... First of all, he's very eloquent. Second of all, he was waving the populist flag, and it's a, you. You want the JD, or at least you did want the JD Vance merit badge. He wasn't part of the elite, and he wasn't. He is part he of the may elite be now, but he comes from trash. That's the whole hillbillyology thing, right? I mean, that is it. But doesn't it? It just seems odd to me. And then, like, he's 
What's J.D. Vance's big position is opposing the repeal of Obamacare and being for like the Medicare expansion to cover able-bodied adults under Medicare. Like these are weird. That's a weird policy for somebody who's supposedly like anti-establishment to have as like the underpinning given that like the whole tea party thing is supposed to be that was all about obamacare and the medicare expansion and what we're seeing now with like so much government control of healthcare and people's concerns about things like the vaccine and big pharma and all this stuff like those are all the same people who want the medicare expansion and want obamacare to stay do you know what i'm saying like it just seems odd to me I don't get the guy's it. Good, the guy's good on TV, and he's maybe that's why, because it's an odd pick. Maybe he's muddying the waters by by having this melange of uh, of principles and and uh, allies. I mean, Vance's campaign is run by all Kasich people, including people who worked with John Weaver from the Lincoln Project. And Tucker I, slams I, the I, Lincoln Project and then has him on. Like, it's just, I don't... I don't get what Tucker's doing. I don't get what his driving force is. And I don't understand the contradictions between seemingly like the the stuff he says on TV, which seems to be playing to one audience and the actual like candidates he's supporting and people he's and he would say he doesn't support J.D. Vance. He just has him on the show or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just I feel like it's not. Maybe he is purely an entertainer and he just wants to have a big show. And- well, certainly he wants to have a big show, and that's th- what his job is. He can't suck. I mean, he's got to have a good show. It but, is a good but, show. But, I mean, he's not... It, it's not a hot air show. It's not a, a lazy uh, hack job. His monologues are thought out. Are um, They... they You know, they, they're oftentimes very seamless. They make a lot of sense. He's got a logic. He backs things up. And he's, he's super smart and he knows uh, where the conversation is. That's always like our test that we have for ourselves is we do our show and then we go watch Tucker to right. see if I he talks he, about the same things. I right? think that he's looking at the Fox lineup from Judge Janine uh, down to uh, to whomever and is saying, I, I am a lot smarter and more creative than these people and I'm going to go in here and, oh, yeah, it's and like, blow people's minds, at least in the monologue. And the, But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I because just, his monologue is a, is a it's a course in creative writing. He, fu- mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny, which is which is if things that set, sets him apart. Maddow can do it all she wants in her monologue. She's not funny. Right. Tucker's is funny. And funny is something, Hannity, not funny. You know, you can't really teach funny. You have to have a special kind of intelligence to, to write funny like he does and he mm-hmm. writes a lot of his monologues. i'm told anyway he might guess the nazi handled a little bit of it. <laughs> but i mean i mean I'd, i i i don't love fox news regardless of course i take a gig there anytime guys i'm happy to pledge my allegiance to it and i'm happy to change uh, i'll i will love jd vance uh, and rick wilson if you want me to whatever you want me to do but um but i mean he's he's by far the best thing on that channel he is. It's a great show. I mean, but he's we a, watch it all the time. But he's I'm also not... a little odd. He's a guy who like, goes fishing in Central Park. He's a guy who like flies, a tie flies, uh, flies ties, you know? He's a guy who was like always in bad shape. He just quit drinking like when he turned 50 or something. He's 
been quitting smoking. He's a guy who smoked forever. He was a guy who's not afraid to, you know, have some peccadillos or whatever. Um, but he's also a family. He's an odd duck. There's no doubt about that. Because he's also, like, his father married into the Swanson... Chicken fortune or whatever. Or something. And, or he's, TV dinner right, fortune. He's a, he's a California guy. And he seems, to be a, he seems to be a nice guy. Like I told you, I've only ever met him once. And he was... Zero attitude. Overly he seems pleasant. like a super nice guy, yeah. and seemingly a lot of people like him from a lot of walks of life. And I'm not trying to disparage. I just legitimately like don't understand, and I don't get what the angle is. Sort of. Yeah, and I don't. I don't agree with all this stuff either. I didn't think. I don't think. I mean, he was gung ho on Ashley Babbitt, you know, in finding out who the shooter was, and I was always like, they're breaking in to the shooter. I was uh, both you and I. We're the same, right? Which puts us at odds, mm-hmm. way at odds with with many Republicans. And, but I mean, you Tucker never, he was careful. He was careful. And you're right. He does certainly try to cultivate his following and grow it because he's not on the, on, on Trump's bleep list. You know? Right. He's not on the bleep list. Um, but he didn't have any time for Sidney Powell's election conspiracy. Right. And how many people can balance that? Usually you're absolutely full in Trump or you get flamed by Trump. You know, Trump right. is, a, is a litmus test of loyalty and he will go after you. I've never seen him go after Tucker whatsoever. Mm-mm. It's a, a, it, he occupies a very weird space and... Last night's monologue, I was sitting there thinking, what is this about, really? Like, why is he saying this stuff? Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's what he believes, but it sure is odd. It sure is odd. Because if anybody else believed that and espoused those beliefs publicly, they would be kicked out of the Georgetown recommendation letter society. And it... he still seems to hang out with all these people. So, like, I don't know. Is he behind closed doors laughing it up with Hunter Biden going, ha I can't believe they all believe this act that I put on on TV? Or is he, like, is the Tucker that we see on TV actually what he thinks? I think if it were an act, it would be much harder to to be using your senses to debate and um, argue on live TV with people. If it's an act, unless you believe it, if you believe it, do you it, think he's vaccinated against yes. COVID? I do too, but I know a lot of people who watch Tucker who are like, "No way, he's vaccinated." The stuff he says about the vaccine, no way, he definitely doesn't believe it. He's not vaccinated. I think he's vaccinated against the COVID. COVID, yeah, I think he does all the the normal things that people do. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think he has interest in in dying from the from COVID. But who knows? I mean, maybe had you gotten a booster like me, maybe you wouldn't <laughs> maybe have COVID I wouldn't again. be in rough shape like this. Right maybe now. you just got two successive COVIDs in a row. Maybe one last week, another one this week. Maybe, maybe sure. I got flu Rona. Have you seen they've been trying to make that a thing? Yes. Doctors are like, we've identified flu Rona in Israel. And people are like, oh my god, what's that? Is it dangerous? And they're like, no, we just somebody tested positive for flu and COVID. Like that's all it is. It's just they just happen to have both at once, which is possible, you know. All right, this is what I'm not interested in uh, talking about. Is he going to address his predecessor's role in the riot? Uh, yes, 
And let me give you a little more preview of that. Um, so um, in addition, and I know I noted this yesterday, but I think it's important for people to let me briefly reiterate, um, the president is going to speak to the truth of what happened, not the lies that some have spread since, and the peril opposed to the rule of law and our system of democratic governance. He will also speak he, to the work we still need to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. In other words, <clears throat> he's going to try to t t convince um, uh, housewives in suburbs that the the racists and rioters and insurrectionists and white supremacists are everywhere, so you better stick with Democrats. That's what he's going to do. Because we named it January 6th, 1-6. It gets a name because a bunch of idiots ran into a building, uh, you know, getting four of their own killed. Imagine, imagine if we started naming all the days that... Uh people on the left rioted about George Floyd or whatever and burned down buildings and got people killed and if we all held like vigils every time we'd never have a moment's peace the entire summer we'd have to spend the whole thing in mourning for all the dates that would be special all right to my man Eric Adams okay all right you ready yeah, I'm ready give it, a, give it a second give it a second and I'll show some patience just a little patience Ooh, sorry. Valerie, then you are not. I need him to go down to Dunkin' Donuts. I need him to go to the Red Have to come in. I'm still getting my salary. Then you are not helping those New Yorkers that need us to come in. So I want I want my businesses in this city to come up with a closer deadline and say we're going to start placing our toe back in the water, come in for two days to for three days, and then let's get this city back up and operating. But to say we're just going to. This in April, that, that, that's too long for you. That's uh, it, 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 you know, January, February, March, April, four months of not having this business patronized, not having a restaurant patronized, not having business travelers come here to the city to go to our hotels. That is going to be devastating for our economy. And I don't know if my businesses are sharing with their employees you are part of the ecosystem of this city. My low-skilled workers, my cooks, my dishwashers, my messengers, my shoeshine people, those who work in Dunkin' Donuts, they, cannot, they don't have the academic skills to sit in a corner office. They need this. We are in this together. And we should be saying to ourselves, if I remotely do my job, then that stock clerk is not going to be able to have the business he, he deserves. That's what I need us to understand. This is not a separate thing. To get through this, we have to get through this together. I need them to shorten the span. All right, Alice, and the reaction to this? Uh, the left is upset. He called some people mm -hmm. low-skill workers. I don't know if you realize right. this, but that's a very offensive term. AOC said, the suggestion that any job is low-skill is a myth perpetuated by wealthy interests to justify inhumane working conditions, little to no health care and low wages. Plus, being a waitress has made me and many others better at our jobs than those who've never known that life. So she is extracted from what he said, which is a very considerate thing, actually, and thoughtful mm -hmm. thing. She has extracted enough words in a row to find a reason to be <laughs> offended and upset. Right. Um, so... This is interesting to me because, in a sense, I agree with AOC in that I think the most valuable thing that she's contributed to America was probably being a bartender. Did you read her quote? Read her quote? Yeah, that's what I just read. You did. Can you read it again? Um, 
She said, the suggestion that any job is low skill is a myth perpetuated by wealthy interests to justify inhumane working conditions, little to no health care and low wages. Plus, being a waitress has made me and many others better at our jobs than those who've never known that life. <clears throat> okay, a couple things. One, do, do we know that she's better at her job <laughs> than non-waitress OEOC? She is still living in the clouds. So, and she's... One, I, I also assume that she was a terrible bartender. I just really feel like she <laughs> just just she doesn't seem like the kind of bartender that, that Tom Shattuck but was. But which do you think contributed more towards any qualities she has that are positive? The BU economics degree or having to actually work as a bartender? Um because she doesn't seem to have gotten much out of the BU economics. No, but degree, she learned frankly. how to be woke there and to be a communist there. So, so, in that sense, I think probably whatever she learned from being a bartender was right. better than it, that. But bartender does give you. I don't know if she did it because also <laughs> she was a very pretty, attractive bartender. So, I don't know what she got. I don't know what she. I don't. I don't know. But but yes, you're right. I think that you get a lot of wisdom from being a bartender. And from being a cook and from being a sure. retail and all those things, like it, it does. And it's not, it's not that the job is low skill or that the people like aren't great or whatever, you know, that I, I've worked a lot of those jobs as I know you have that are quote low skill mm -hmm. jobs. I mean, the point clearly that Eric Adams is trying to make is there are a lot of people living in New York City who cannot telecommute and cannot easily turn around and go get a job where they can telecommute. Right. The is, people working right. in the grocery store can't decide to make enough money to pay their rent with a job they can do from home behind a computer. Right. Which is why AOC, uh, the better version of AOC, would have said. Well, obviously, he's pointing out literal I inequities mm -hmm. because uh, many people, black and brown people, can't afford or can't don't have the opportunity. They work on the subway or they do something, you know. They uh, they have jobs, you know, like Dunkin' Donuts, but they have to go there. You know, right? He wasn't casting a judgment on them. No, that <laughs> they're low skill, but it is true that there are a lot of people, and this is. I mean, this is where we run into this thing where economists use a word one way and other people take it another way. Like public good is another one. Economists use that to mean something very technical and other people just take it to mean whatever they want. But like people, economists use this term low skill workers, low skill labor supply. And uh, people think it's like casting some kind of moral judgment on people, but it's not. It just refers to the workers that if you take away their job, can't easily go out and get a different job doing something else. If you automate the factory, there are a whole bunch of people, not that they're low skill, but that they are not going to easily be able to do another job. They can't, quote, learn to code, right? That was like the source of all that frustration about journalists telling coal miners to start learning to code. And... Of course, nobody's saying that like being a coal miner is low is skill in the sense that it doesn't require any skills. Like obviously, I would suck at becoming a coal miner. Like I couldn't do it. But it has to do with the idea that you can't easily like I can go out and get a job at McDonald's if I want to and learn how to do it and be at least functional at it in a way where I can like mm -hmm. make the McDonald's salary. 
But like a lot of people who work at McDonald's cannot go get a job doing something else as easily. Right? Of course. That's what because the idea is it has to do with like the skills that you have. And I mean, yeah, a lot of the skills are things like a bachelor's degree that have a lot to do with like opportunities that you've had in life and other stuff. So it's not about casting a judgment on people. It's just uh, talking about the economic realities of the situation that if you shut down for the virus, there's a whole bunch of people that can't go do something else. Right. right. And Miss Economics major persists in taking that the wrong way. But this led to like a whole debate on Twitter because a bunch of people are like, oh, my God, he said low skill workers. He described them this way. Of course, like Mina Harris. That's Kamala's kid or niece. adopted niece. Okay. Niece? Isn't it? I don't even know. I think. Is that m- one of the stepdaughters? No? No, I think Mina Harris is her sister's daughter. Oh. Um, so, but she got in on it saying that uh, the, you know, there's no such thing as low skill workers and this is all uh, the whole. The whole same thing AOC says, like that this is this shows the problem with with our economy in general and everything else. And like it's just so blind because what Eric Adams is talking about is about the impact on those low skill workers if crazy people like AOC want to shut down the economy again. Right. But fundamentally, the thing is that people like AOC don't think people should have those jobs because they think those jobs are fundamentally mm-hmm essentially exploitative and they don't want people to be able to have them so they would rather see people not work those jobs at all they want those jobs to go away they're happy that there's a labor shortage in restaurants and everything else so that's really like what they're looking for in the economy they see the pandemic as a positive disruption of course because they think that those jobs are bad. And yes. they And they're the ones who have a hang-up about low-skill workers. No, absolutely. Absolutely they do. They, and they've, they've, they disdain those people. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so... It, the thing is, is... Well, they don't disdain the people. They disdain, disdain the, the jobs. jobs. Especially since they're not uh, living wage jobs. And, and um, you know, even people... It, it's... Because, well, you know why it is, Alice? Because simply mm-hmm. the employers are the oppressors and the employees are the oppressed. That's why. That's why people bitch and moan about Walmart for years and years. Walmart greeters only get 12 bucks an hour. It's like, yeah, but there's no other greeters anywhere in, in the country that get paid anything. They don't exist anywhere but Mar- right. Walmart. And anybody can do that job. I can right. go do it tomorrow. <laughs> like, right. It's not. That's what low skill means, right? Is that like... You can only do jobs that and literally anybody can do. And it's like, no offense, but that's the real... And yeah, people can gain skills and become high-wage workers. Yeah, what Mina Harris said was referring to anyone as a low-skill worker only reveals that it's you who lacks academic skills. Right? Like, okay, fine. But, you know, we need to have... An- it's one reason why I think, like, you and I were interested in Andrew Yang and talking about like his proposals is because he was a person who clearly like didn't look down on anybody, but was being honest about this stuff, being honest about saying like, if we automate huge sections of the economy, there are people who will be out of work who will not just be able to learn to code and go get a different job. Right. No, absolutely. Can I move along now? Yeah. 
I'm um I'm worried about my girlfriend Ann Coulter, Ellis. Okay. What happened? She tweeted the Daily Mail has a story. Chloe Kardashian Kardashian gets flowers after Tristan Thompson fathered a child with another woman. The thirty eight seven year old reality star shared a snap of the beautiful blooms on Instagram. It, to which Ann Coulter posted a story and said, Don't think me unruly harsh, but could every single person in this story be shot? So there you go. So the story is that Khloe Kardashian, I don't know who Khloe Kardashian is. I think she's, is she one of the more attractive ones or the one who's fit? I don't know. Khloe Kardashian used to be the quote fat one. Okay. I don't like But her. she doesn't look anything like that anymore because she got so much surgery that she's completely unrecognizable as a person and is an entirely different human being. If you look through yeah. that Daily Mail story that you sent, you can scroll through and see that she's. Khloe Co- Kardashian never- received a gorgeous bouquet of flowers from her older sister Courtney and fiance Travis Barker amid a challenging time in her life after a paternity test confirmed Kristen Thompson. Fathered a child outside of their relationship. A 37-year-old reality star shared a snap of the beautiful blooms on Instagram. Uh, and thank the posh blogger for the thoughtful gift. My cuties, Travis Barker and Courtney Kat Kardashian, I love you, she wrote across the image with a pink double heart emoji. God. Uh, you know what, Alice? Mm-hmm. I don't know that Khloe Kardashian could do a- any unskilled job. I don't know that that she can, but anyway. So yes, yeah, so think there's that she could if she had to. So the so she's married to a basketball star, and he uh, had a kid with somebody else. And her sister sent her flowers. Sister sent her flowers. Exactly. Did you see the pictures of her in the story? Do you agree that she looks not like remotely like the same person she used to look like at all? I can't. They are all every part. One of them is so fake. It's hard to tell. Is it way at the bottom? Does it show her? The one in the silver dress. That's her. Marley, a fitness model. No, game. you're you already passed like five pictures. Okay, it's uh, it uh, it uh, it unloads at different speeds. I mean, whatever. Hold on, let me see. Because the thing is, okay, is like so now Tristan think- has tweeted, has put on Insta a message to her saying, "Today, paternity test results reveal that I fathered a child with Marley Nichols. I take full responsibility for my actions. Now that paternity has been established, I look forward to amicably raising our son." Oh, the lawyer wrote this. I sincerely apologize to everyone I've heard or disappointed throughout this ordeal, both publicly and privately. But I don't know. It's her whole thing like makes me sad because I feel like she used to be like a cute, kind of normal looking person and now she looks like I don't know what she looks like. I don't see any pictures of her in That's her. What's her? The one in the silver dress? At the Abbas by Abby thing? I can't. Who is that? I don't know who these people. I, I'm not. I don't have the silver dress. Okay. Well, that's fine. But there's pictures of her all through the article. I think you're just not realizing it's her because she looks so different from what you think of when you think of Khloe Kardashian. But I don't know. Oh, like, okay. I see now. Okay. Uh, yeah. She's not the same person <sighs> that she used to be. It's very sad. I think that she has like serious, serious body dysphoria issues and i feel bad for everybody in that family what about ann coulter is she gonna be off twitter now she's saying but it could every single person in the story be shot i mean is she trying to get kicked off twitter i don't know but i don't know all right now what's going on with barry weiss oh that's a whole thing um she had this writer, Douglas Murray, write a thing on her subject. Who's the bell curve guy, right? No, that's Charles Murray. All oh, right. He, this is the English guy, Douglas yes, Murray. Yes, this a gay is the guy English guy. Who's, um, 
who got in trouble um, a bunch of years ago for calling out Islamic terrorism and right and he's like very fall of the West. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thing. he's good. Actually. Yeah. I'd love to have him on. Yeah, he is good. So he wrote a thing for Barry we- Barry Weiss's Substack um, because uh, speaking of uh, people who love Tucker's opens with their own immigration. Uh, this guy, Pedro Gonzalez, who's on Twitter, was uh, complaining about Rothschild, Rothschild physiognomy. Okay, and what is physiognomy? Physiognomy is, like, how you can tell, like, what you're like by the way you look. Huh. Really? How, what you're like? like yeah. Like your personality? Like, like your uh, genetic disposition, I would say. What does that mean, Alice? Uh, okay, a pers- physiognomy. Now, a person's facial features or expression when regarded as indicative of character or ethnic origin. Character or ethnic origin? Right. I don't understand character. So it's saying, I see, because you have this Aryan face, you're a cheap a-hole. Right. Okay. So, and he has, so a bunch of people criticize this piece because he was commenting on the Rothschild family's physiognomy. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of people were saying that this was anti-Semitic. And who are the Rothschilds? They're uh, a very wealthy, influential Jewish family that gets a lot of flack for, um, they're often heavily involved in like conspiracy theories. They're like with Soros in that category. Well, they're not, I mean, they're, they're not involved in conspiracy right, but theories, people, but I, they, I hear feature, them. they feature I hear them heavily, along with like the Bilderbergers or whatever. They feature heavily in people's okay. conspiracy theories. Right. right. Okay. This is because the Jews are controlling everything. Is what because they're a, they're a very wealthy Jewish family and they're involved right, but that's in a, a lot that's of what, stuff. That's what the people the, are trying yeah. to suggest. Yeah. Wink, wink. Is that Jews right. are controlling the banking? Okay. Getcha. Right. I mean, I think a lot of the people who buy into theories about the Rothschilds would say that it's not because they're Jewish, it's because they yeah. are a hyper-wealthy family that's trying to usher in the New World Order, etc. Right? So, I so, and I think Pedro Gonzalez is one of those people. He's on Twitter. He writes uh, online. And is he stuff. a right-winger or a left-winger? He's a right-winger. Okay. Um, among other things, he's the person who broke the Ralph Northam story that a bunch of people didn't believe at first. The, 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 the yearbook? Uh, the, yeah, the wow. yearbook. Um, and so a lot of people didn't believe it at first because it was coming from him and his online oh, paper and stuff. And then like, I see. because he's a little bit wacky. But anyway, so he was commenting on Rothschild physiognomy. He comments on people's physiognomy a lot, including like uh, Steve Bannon's physiognomy. And, What's Bannon's physiognomy? Um, like overweight and drinks a lot, I think, is the comment. I don't know. Oh. But I, he just likes to post pictures of people that are unflattering and be like the physiognomy doesn't lie like oh, I <laughs> an see. unflattering picture of Bannon and oh, then, I see. he's done it with um David French too oh <laughs> he said that it, like essentially saying that he's like unmasculine like he said like well with physiognomy like this who would think that he would decry toxic masculinity like and stuff like that so right oh so I he's see. done it to like it's white kind of seems a little funny actually is it not at all (laughs) well so here's the debate right that's happening on twitter it's like so if he's gonna say like that the rothschild physiognomy is nightmare fuel which is what he said and post like an unflattering picture of some member of the rothschild family Mm -hmm. right like is that anti-semitism or is he just making funny jokes about how people he doesn't like are ugly 
I don't know. I don't know either. So Barry Weiss and uh, Douglas Murray feel that it's anti-Semitic. And a lot of people clearly feel it's pretty anti-Semitic if you're going to post like pictures of the Rothschild family and say they have... N- okay, because nightmare the, the, physiognomy. I hate to go there, but the Nazis were big into this. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. And there's certain, certainly, there have historically been ways Jews are depicted as looking. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the pictures that he chose to exemplify Rothschild physiognomy were not. <laughs> who the freak has? Who has time to post about the Rothschilds? Like, who the hell are they? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just, it's, it's an interesting debate to me because. Mina Harris's pinned tweet is, mm-hmm. I won't be intimidated and I won't be silenced. Let me, tell you one thing. Let me tell you about the, the, the physiognomy of that tweet. That tells <laughs> me that is a person who's a stupid. <laughs> I won't be intimidated and I won't be silenced. Most of you are stupid. Okay. What a platitude. Oh, God. Oh, disgusting. And the people who post it on our, on our things are disgusting. Mina Harris says, raise your hand if you've ever worked a low-skilled job to pay for your academic skills. And Stephanie Land, who's some other New York Times best-selling author, says, uh, I kind of wrote, write, wrote a whole book about it. God, these people are gross. Oh, God. I'm sorry. People, the social elites are just gross. The Kardashians and Mina Harris and that whole group and they're... Uh, they're awful, and they call each other. You know what? They're the kind of people who go on, go on, um, Facebook and Instagram, whatever. And one of the when their friends say that she just turned forty five, say, "Girl, so gorgeous." Or when their friend who's four hundred eighty nine pounds <laughs> goes, "Oh my good drop, period, dead, period, gorgeous." They're so these people are just these are gross human beings who are bad people. Okay. You know, physiognomy. What's <laughs> my physiognomy? Mm-hmm. COVID much? You're COVID. You're the physiognomy of COVID. <laughs> when I see you, all I see is that gray tennis ball with the red spores on it. <laughs> oh, Albie, I hope you feel better, doggy. I feel bad for you. You're such a nice kid. Thank you, and thank you to everybody who's reached out and asked how I'm doing. Uh, I appreciate it. I too will not be silenced. COVID cannot intimidate <laughs> me. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. We're also at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, uh, Burn Barrel Podcast.com. You can write us an email. You may drop dead before the end of this outro, Alice. Think so? Maybe. C'est la vie. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.